Welcome to the Rectified Podcast, your go-to destination for everything marketing. I'm Sandy Dedea, your host and the founder of Rectified Inc. My mission is to help your six-figure e-commerce brand get discovered and scale to seven to eight figures. Join me and my guests as we answer all your marketing questions and deep dive into digital marketing, content marketing, social media, and Pinterest marketing. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any of my latest episodes. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Rectified Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about email marketing with our guest, Mira Kotand. It's funny because Mira is in Singapore now, and I'm recording this at 7.30 p.m. on a Tuesday night in Montreal, and it's Wednesday morning, 7.30 a.m. in Singapore. Hi, Mira, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Sandy. Thank you so much for having me. Mira, please introduce yourself. Tell us more about you and what exactly you do. Yes. So I um, work a lot with um, solopreneurs and small uh, small business owners. I help them with their email and content strategy, basically trying to help them put together a strategy that really oozes authority and gets their ideal customers to want to do business with them. So in a nutshell, this is who I help and what I help them with. I started my business, I think this is six coming to seven years now. And um, I started it pretty much by accident. I was doing international relations and marketing back in corporate. And I took a little break to go on maternity leave. And um, I had a little bit of a health scare after I had my daughter. I had to go and get surgery, go and get myself sorted out. So I was at home and I couldn't go back to work. And I'm like, okay, do I do nothing or do I do something? And I started marketing blog really just writing about things where I felt people were not talking about, questions people were asking. And my audience grew organically from there. People reached out and asked me, you know, if if I was taking clients. And and pretty much that was how my business began. It was pretty much by accident. Okay. And what took you to email marketing? Well, email was something that was very close to my heart. Even back then, I was very fascinated by email. I started trying out a lot of things first with myself and then with people that reached out to me and it really worked. This was like, yeah, six, seven years back. And the whole point of email was about having an enormous, gigantic list. But a lot of the things that I tried and with the clients that I helped to implement these things for, we realized that even with a smaller list, you could see amazing results. And it really depends on the type of emails you were sending and bringing your audience along this journey. I think that mattered more than the size of the list because there are people with huge lists, but they can have very bad numbers in terms of the click rates and open rates. So you don't really want that. You want a list that's engaged. And um, even if it's small and you can't have a mighty list that's obsessed with your work and who wants to buy from you. So it, it was really all of these little things that, that got me on the path of email. So when you say small, how small is a small email list? Like how many people are on it? I have had people with less than 500 people on their email list and still manage to have amazing results. Like, you know, you can have like a five-figure kind of launch, like very simple. I like to call them under-the-radar launch where 
you're just using email, you don't have ads, you don't have webinars, nothing of that sort, just a purely under the radar email only launch and you can have five figures from less than 500 subscribers on your email list. Wow, that's amazing. I always hear about um, like the magic number. You need to have at least 100 person on your list. And what do you think about that? <laughs> yeah, I think the numbers have always shifted. Like I remember when I started out, it was the number was like 1000. You have to hit 1000. And most people would like, let me get to 1000. And then I would start sending out emails. Then I would start having like a, wel- a welcome email series. Yeah. But the question I always ask back is, do those people know that they are part of a list of a thousand and 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 they don't so they signed up because they want to hear from you so i always say roll out the red carpet for your subscribers so the moment someone signs up for your email list what are you sending them don't wait for a magic number before you start getting regular with your emails because the biggest kind of mistake is people would come to me just before they have a launch or they, they're like, oh, I, I have this, I'm, I want to put it out for sale. And then I'm like, okay, have you been talking about this topic? When did you last email your list? And they're like, um, I haven't emailed them in a couple of months. And the only time you're showing up in front of them is when you have something for sale. The relationship doesn't start on the right foot. So I always, it happens with me too. And I see it, I receive all those emails and I always wonder what kind of emails should I send? Like they always say, build relationships with your subscribers, but it's a bit weird. Like on social media, you interact with them. Let's say I go on Instagram stories and I start talking and somebody reacts and the other replies, you know, there's like a some sort of direct interaction. But with email, I always wonder, and I struggle with this personally, I do send emails, but I don't know if I'm doing it right or wrong. What are we supposed to send to build those relationships? Yeah, so for me, in every email, I try to open the door in a sense to have a conversation. So I would always have a question there that invites them to reply back to me. Depends on the type of topics that you're talking about. It really does get them to want to reply to you and some doesn't. So like in the last couple of weeks, the type of emails that I've been sending have been about having a discussion about whether social media is something that we need or not. And this is obviously a topic that's very close to a lot of people's hearts. And it got a whole bunch of responses from my email list. So some other emails, well, you might not get as many responses. So that should not stop you from sending emails in the first place because not every single email is going to be an amazing hit. Um, Some emails can be a miss. These are all things that you can learn from and it's really feedback to what is top of mind for your subscribers because the better attuned you are with what they are looking for or what interests them, then the better you're able to send content going forward. So for me, the type of emails that always get a response are those that get people thinking, that shift perspectives, those that kind of give them a different point of view. These are the emails that always get people very excited, very interested and want to basically engage with me. When I typically share maybe like how to do something or five tips on something, I mean, it's okay, but 
it doesn't get as much of that that response and energy as when I'm sending the other type of email where, you know, I'm shifting perspectives or I'm trying to get them to think in a different way or I'm per- perhaps calling out something that I see going on in my industry or niche that I don't really agree with. These are the things that really get people excited. And these are the emails that are also harder to send because you have to think and you have to want to be able to open up and share it with your subscribers. And when you are calling things out in your industry or when you're pointing out false beliefs, it really requires yourself to kind of dig deep in and figure out, okay, what's my point of view with this? Where am I different? What do I not like about my niche or industry? So it is hard work, but I feel that if you get into a practice of sending emails like this, your email list and your subscribers, they really come to view you as an authority and they it really builds trust um, compared to the typical newsletter or you know, how to kind of things. And a newsletter is fine, but I would say if that's the only type of thing that you're sending out, um, I would suggest kind of rethinking your email strategy. Okay. Um, yeah, I did. I did make this mistake, <laughs> to be honest. I did have a newsletter and I used to send it weekly about a certain topic that, you know, they subscribed about this specific topic and at some point, yes, I didn't get feedback. And also I felt like I'm doing something super boring, even for me to create those things. I'm going to try your way now <laughs> moving forward. I think it's not that difficult. So if the listeners are thinking about, oh, this is one more thing that we need to do. I don't think it's a difficult thing because you're creating this topic, but you can also take the same subject and post it on social media. You can also create a video about it. You can use the same thing over and over again, but in just different mediums and different channels of communication. So I think this is a good thing. Mira, yes, we have to create a good strategy and like establish ourselves as thought leaders, even by email. But how can I make someone subscribe to my email list? Because this is the most difficult part is just like building that list. Yeah. And I agree. Things are a lot harder now compared to how they used to be. Like previously, you could just have a opt-in form and say, subscribe to my my newsletter and then everyone (laughs) would subscribe. And it's not that way anymore. You know, I think it really goes back to, at the end of the day, giving them what they are looking for. So it doesn't have to be like a 100-page or 50-page lead magnet, like a PDF or a guide. It could even be like a short training. And I feel these are the ones that are very popular these days where you have done some kind of a recording and then some training that you've done for your existing audience and then you are kind of repurposing that into a lead magnet. And um, you enable them to watch it on demand. Um, This is something that's very popular these days. So like webinars or challenges that you've done before, you can repackage them into lead magnets. Um, Quizzes are something that I'm seeing that are doing really well. Quizzes specifically, I've seen it work very well for like service providers. So like if you're like a copywriter or something like that, um, I've seen people do very clever things with quizzes. The quiz helps you figure out your writing voice and then it positions them as the right person to kind of just come in and help you after that. So you figure this out, okay, then who can I hand it off to? And then that's where the copywriter comes in. So very interesting ways of doing things. So obviously the typical lead magnet is things like video trainings or quizzes, or I've even seen like roadmaps to kind of like plot out their pathway. These are things that are working well. 
Um, and anywhere where you can get seen. So like showing up on a podcast, if you can show up on a summit, guest posting, you know, things like this. Uh, these are different ways for you to build your email list. So don't just focus on the lead magnet, but get visible, see where you can show up as an expert or a guest for other people's audience, and then just focus on serving that audience. I think this goes a long way in building an email list. For me, one of the things I always think is wherever I'm showing up, whoever sees me there, how can I allow them to kind of get into my email list because there are so many of my subscribers they would say that oh they signed up for a bundle as in they are participating in a bundle but they didn't think about the touch point where okay after they get my product how do I get them to my email list it's it's something that they completely miss out and it's such a wasted opportunity because you really have to train yourself to think in that way so I have a couple of books on Amazon and someone who buys my book on Amazon how can they get on my email list so these are touch points that you don't want to miss out on because if you kind of start adding them up you realize that there are so many different footprints of yours in the online space and it's just so it's so much opportunity yeah exactly exactly I always say that and I use it with mainly Pinterest marketing I always map out my customer journey like if somebody clicks on a pin that I created and comes to my website, what am I going to do next? Like, where is that person going? How many touch points, you know, will they have on the website so that they can subscribe in a way or another? It's very interesting, but it's also a different challenge. Let's say if it's a product-based company, well, both are challenging, right? Like service-based, you have to give them something like food for their mind and soul but then if it's a product you have to I don't know give them a discount maybe um yeah does that still work like yeah definitely it's a little bit different um product based I've seen people have some kind of like a catalog or like a gift guide there was someone that I worked with I think maybe one or two years back and she had like a paper product kind of business so she had different types of journals or um, something of that sort and she had a quiz that um, showed people which is the right type of productivity journal for that person based on the type of results they got and that uh, led that like person that. Yeah, and that led that person to her products or what would suit them. I myself, I was looking for a candle for a friend and um, there was this shop where there had lots of different scented candles and um, the quiz was, okay, what type of person is your girlfriend? And then, you know, based on what you picked, mm -hmm. it would lead you to, you know, all the different yeah. types. So it, it beyond the coupon code, there are different ways to do it. Um, another example is... Um, just telling you the example, it shows me that I'm I'm, I'm shopping yeah. a lot online. <laughs> it, it was um, it, it was an online a clothes retailer, and then the quiz was to find out your body type, ah. and based on all of their stuff, it would just lead me to what are things would suit me best. So you can get creative in so many different ways. You can do so many things beyond just the coupon code and, and really get creative because I think nowadays these are this is what people are looking for something intriguing, something interesting. And just a way to connect and, and see what the brand is about. So if you kind of give them an insight, 
to what your brand is about with the voice, the way you phrase your questions, the way you phrase the answers. Yeah. Um, I think you can build really loyal customers and, and subscribers. Yeah, I 100% agree with this. And when you were talking, I just remembered that it happened to me too. It is really going beyond the discount code or coupon code or uh, all of that. Like there's yeah. um, makeup brand where you go to their website, they just give you a quiz and they give you your right shade of foundation oh yeah uh it feels more like a customized experience you know oh they know me they know my skin color they know you know and they have like a wide range of colors from lighter to darkest so everybody feels included and oh my god they got me my shade meanwhile they have my email and they're bombarding me with with, <laughs> with offers but like when you were talking i just remembered that and it makes total sense I really love these ideas, honestly. They're more creative than a simple, oh, use this promo code for a 10% discount on your first order. Well, a combination of everything, but still. Exactly. Maybe also, like you said earlier, even if it's product-based, they should also map out the customer journey and build that relationship, even if they got your email from the foundation match quiz or something. They have to also... Yeah. Yeah, could keep sending you stuff, right? It never stops. Yeah, and, and the, the big companies have a dedicated team and they've got all of these resources to plot out the customer journey, you know, like every single step. And they have so many different types of people, so many different customer avatars. And yes. they have the bandwidth to plot out the journey for so many different people. But for smaller businesses like us, like the one woman shop, or even like you have a small team, yeah. you don't have to go into that much detail as in, okay, I've got five different customer avatars. This is the journey. You don't have to do it to that extent because obviously you don't have the bandwidth or the resource, but just simple, just like what you, you said, Sandy, you know, someone from Pinterest comes to my site. What happens next? Um, I think that is the perfect way to just start thinking about it. And I use Pinterest a lot as well. So I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, so when you're promoting a blog post and you don't just have to promote a blog post, you can also promote your lead magnets on Pinterest. Yes. So they click on that. Where do they go? If it's a landing page, what do they see? Or if it's your site, okay, if it's a blog post, let's say someone leaves, can I capture them before they leave? You know, do I have an exit intent pop-up or do I have an opt-in form within my content? Like these are simple things. Just thinking like this will enable you to really capture a lot of those people that come. Because what I find about just going back to the Pinterest example is sometimes the bounce rate can be quite high, specifically from printers. Yes. But if you take steps to kind of get that traffic, you know, convert them to subscribers, um, it goes a long way. So if you don't have anything and you just assume that people are going to scroll all the way to your footer or look at your sidebar to opt in, this is where you're going to be missing out because these areas, people have seen them time and time again that it just skips their attention. So you have to work a little bit harder exactly. to get their attention. But the moment they're on your email list, then if you really send them that amazing content, you have done the work to be in their inbox. But when they still, when they don't know you, you, you still need to fight for a little bit of attention. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, there are so many places on websites and blog posts that people underutilize. And just like you said, those side ones and footers, you put them, maybe somebody clicks on them, but like... You also have to think about more creative ways, whether it's a product based or a service based, like just get outside of the box a little bit 
and think about like where would you click if you go on a website yourself maybe yeah and um one one tool that is very interesting is called hotjar yeah um it's it's completely free and um you can actually see kind of like heat maps of where people are where they're going and um yeah it it can help you to a certain extent kind of customize the journey because if you know that hey okay a lot of them are looking here what am i doing here what are, a lot of them are looking here so what am i doing here so and this will differ from site to site based on how you have structured your site and based on on your audience so this is something and it's, i think it's completely free for yes. a couple of heat maps and you can just install it on your site and and have a look at that yeah i love i love that tool i should look at it i haven't done that yeah. <laughs> in a, in a while yeah yeah um, so mira um, there's a new thing that i'm been doing in my podcast so there are a few episodes before this one where i did these three questions and i'm going to do that with you too because all of my guests are marketing and marketing it's not one defined thing it's not like you're a doctor or something so there are so many things especially with social media nowadays and the question is how would your friends describe what you do for a living <laughs> oh my god that's a good one um honestly my friends are clueless about what i do um i think they would just they would probably just say i'm a writer because they have no clue what i'm doing so um and sometimes i don't bother educating them and i just let them run with writer because i think it's easier for them to understand so yes i think that's what they think i do honestly okay okay <laughs> i always have interesting answers for this question because nobody has any idea about what we do um second question what is the one thing that your program or your work did for your client that you completely didn't expect like you were surprised by oh my god this happened yeah and and one person immediately comes to mind um her name is Ina and um i remember she she posted a screenshot and she said that she got her first like $100 or something like that and then within like 6 months she was now making like a so called like a full time income from wow. that strategy so i'm like like wow they you know it's like amazing results and it just shows that if you put your mind to it the kind of results that you can you can expect but but she just c- continues to really blow it out of the park like even now she has an amazing audience on social media and email and they're very responsive and it's amazing and it's just one of like, i would say like my best students whenever she reaches out to me with results i'm very very proud this is so cool last question is there a book other than yours uh, we're going to talk about them is there a book that changed your life and would you recommend to your audience changed my life that is or like it gave you like an aha moment like you read something yeah. and like oh wow you know something like that I, th- i think um two books come to mind one is one of seth godin's book i i think the, one of the first ones i read of his was called the linchpin and this was i think just when i was thinking of going into doing something online so that really gave me so, lots of ahas the other one is the war of art by steven pressfield I think these two books came at really the right time and they really kind of spurred me on and made me think that okay I'm doing the right thing. So I would say these two. Okay. I'm going to link them in the description just in case somebody wants to give it a try and read these books. You have books yourself also they're available on Amazon. Can you tell us a little bit more about how many and what are they all about? Yeah, I've lost count of the number of books I have on Amazon. I think I have 9 right now, I think. Um oh wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, correct. I think so. Nine or eleven, something along those lines. But are they printed or like ebooks? I have both. Okay. I have them available in Kindle, and then um, I'm surprised. I would think most people just go for the Kindle, but a lot of people, in my audience, they get the book and then they go on a massive highlighter spree. Yeah, um, which is how I like to read my books as well. Uh, so I self-published my first book in 2017. So that was the one-hour content plan, and it was really just an experiment because I wanted to have a revenue stream that was out of my site that didn't depend on traffic to my site. And you know, Amazon has its own marketplace, yes. and if you do it well, it drives traffic to your to your stuff. So it was really an experiment, and I didn't expect it to do as well as it did. So from there, I started to obviously write more books, and all of these are on different facets of uh, marketing. Like mostly, most of them are like content. Some of them are on digital products. It's a way for people who are just starting out to just you know get the information that they need before they are ready to work with me one on one, or before they're ready for some kind of a. A big course or anything of that sort. So yeah, I mean, previously most people used to find me on Pinterest, but now more and more people tell me that they find me on Amazon. On Amazon, yeah. Okay. So Mira, today for the occasion of this podcast episode, you're offering them a free email course that teaches people about how to get started on email. I'm going to put the link in the description of this podcast. It's mira.email forward slash course. What will they learn in it? Is it like the email 101? Yeah, correct. I, I actually call it email list for newbies. So it is, if email's on their radar, it really brings to mind any misconceptions they may be having about email and gives them ideas about how they can get started, the type of lead magnets they can have, or the kind of email sequence they should be having. So these are the type of topics that I um, dive into. And yeah, this is one of the first so-called lead magnets I've had. A lot of people have gained a lot of insights, so like you said, ahas from yes. this. So I, I hope anyone listening to this would find it the same way. Perfect. I'm going to put all the information, all the books and everything in the description of this podcast so they can click on it. The podcast will also be available as a blog post so they can also look for information out there. This brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you, Mira, for being a guest on the podcast. And uh, to all the listeners, I'll be back next week with a new episode. That's about it for today. If you wish to get more insight about how to scale your e-commerce business to seven, eight figures, you may check my website on rectified.co forward slash posts or connect with me on social media. I will link to all my accounts in the description of this podcast. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any of my episodes. Thank you.